Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Yeah, so thank you, Pastor Lina. I was, last night as I was preparing this message, I was like, wow, this, this message has the ability to offend a lot of people. And wow, it's like, okay, I don't, I don't know whether tomorrow I'll still have a job. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I heard Singapore is looking for a new president. So, um, you know, if I become president, you'll have double the public holidays. How, how to apply for the job, huh? <laughs> Uh, the gas station uncle always asked me, you know, who, who are you supporting? Uh, I mean, firstly, I cannot vote, okay, because I'm Malaysian, okay? And then, second thing I told him is like, Taman. Okay, never mind, you'll wake up tomorrow. <laughs> Do you understand? Yeah, okay, so let me just bring a recap of the whole series, <clears throat> okay? Uh, we are doing this uh, series on the seven letters to the seven churches, and uh, today is the last message. So on the first week, we heard um, Chen Sing very soon be called Pastor Lam. Wow, your family got two Lam Musu already. Yeah, Musu, right? Is it correct? Okay, sorry. Ch- Chinese very bad. Okay, two, past- uh, two pastors in your family already. So he shared about, you know, um, oh, sorry, it was Josh. Josh shared about the revelation of Christ and the coming king, you know, that is going to come not just as a father, not just as a a loving, a loving person, but he's going to come as judge, someone that's holy, someone that's going to make everything new into our midst. And then Chen Sing shared the week after about you know how we cannot be lukewarm. There's no such thing as a middle-class Christianity. You are either fully in or you're not in at all. Okay? And then um, last week, Pastor Ben shared about how Christians, we must not live a compromising lifestyle. It's so easy to live a compromising lifestyle. And then... Uh, today, we're going to talk about the persecuted church, the church in persecution, all right? Yeah, and the, the tone of today's message is going to be a bit different because I felt that today there's a lot of things that we need to look at. There's not things that I will need to call out. So today, um, forgive me right at the start if I offend you, you know, if I say some things which are a bit strong, but my heart today is that I don't want us to leave this place thinking, you know, that, you know, everything can be the same in my life. If there's one thing that we learn out of the 21 days is this, that God's ways are so much higher than our ways. That wherever we are, is always so far from God's ways. So we need to consistently move towards where God is. And we are always very far. So I pray that today I will challenge you um, if I need to offend you, I'll offend you, okay? But my heart is really that all of us will walk out this place determined to grow in our faith because there is no middle ground in Christianity, all right? So let's just pray before we start, okay? Heavenly Father, we just want to commit this time to you. Lord, we, we, we want to just de- uh, depend on your Holy Spirit to speak to us today, Lord. Father, you know that my words are limited. You know that uh, I'm just... Um, imperfect vessel. But Lord, we pray today, O Father, 
that you just use the words of my mouth, oh Father, Lord, to just speak to your church this day, Lord. Because, Lord, you love your church and you want your bride to be radiating so full of life, so full of obedience, so full of holiness, oh God. So, God, I pray this day, would you bring us to that place, O oh Lord, or let it be the start of that desire, of that journey that we take where we become more and more like Christ, O oh Lord. So, Lord, bless this time as we look at the church in persecution. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so let me talk a little bit about the persecution in the early church. We all know that after Jesus rose of the dead, he ascended to heaven, right? Then the early church was formed. Okay, what a lot of times we don't get or we, we don't see in the lens is that the moment you become a Christian in the early days, you face persecution. It is expected of you. Okay? And persecution comes in a few forms. Firstly, persecution comes from the Jewish community. Because the, the, the initial early church, all of them, or at least most of them, were Jewish. So they came out of the Jewish religion and they became Christians. And they, they went around proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus is you know, the one that rose from the dead. And of course, this will actually offend a lot of Jewish leaders, especially considering the fact that they just sentenced Jesus to death. Right? So all the Jewish uh, people will actually look down on the Christian community. They will actually persecute the Christian community. They don't like them. They will exclude them from their gatherings, exclude them from doing trades with them. You know, so the Christians actually live in a very, very difficult time during the early church. And on top of that, the, Jew, the Jewish Christians began to include Gentiles in their faith as well. And this enraged the, the Jewish people. So how can you do that? I mean, we are the chosen ones, right? How can you include unclean people into our religion? And that's why the Jewish people, they really hated the Christians a lot or they are really offended by the Christians a lot. Now, if the Jewish community, which is your own people, reject you, you think that is bad, there's something else. There is the Roman Empire that you're offending as well. You see, during the time of Christ, there were a lot of people that came up claiming to be the Messiah. And every time someone claims to be a Messiah, it follows by a big revolt against the Roman Empire. They try to take over the land once again. So when Jesus proclaims himself as Messiah, the Romans were very worried. They don't like the idea of Messiah because there's only one ruler and that's Caesar. And every time you hear Messiah, it means there's going to be an uprising that's going to come. So the Romans don't like Christians because they feel that sooner or later, they're going to enter into violence. They're going to try and take over the land once again. So the Romans really, really did not like the Christians and Christians were really oppressed. And last but not least, uh, not just the Jewish community, not just the Roman Empire, but society in general as well. The moment you become a Christian, you know, you will be persecuted for your faith. I don't like your beliefs. Your beliefs offend me. And Christians will abstain from a lot of things that society does. Especially when you consider that religion and your personal life is interlinked. Your work, your, your religion and your personal life, everything is linked together. And the moment you say, I don't want to do this because now I'm a Christian, you get ostracized, you get persecuted. So the early church went through a very, very difficult time. They were persecuted because of their beliefs, the way they live, and what they choose to abstain from. 
and it was a very, very tough time living as a Christian. So when you read Acts, right, don't just think about, wow, so great and all that, you know, like the Holy Spirit is moving. The Christians had it tough during those times. It was tough to live as a Christian in the early church. Very, very tough. All right? Now, one of the questions that we really need to ask ourselves is this. What is the end goal of persecution? Why does persecution happen? What is the end goal? If it's spiritual by nature, what is the end goal? Can I suggest to us this? That the end goal of persecution is to force a believer to deny his or her faith or to pressure a believer to succumb, to conform to society's norm. That's the end goal of persecution. All right? And this is going to be a very important definition as we look at the final two churches in Revelation. That's the church of Smyrna as well as Philadelphia. Okay? So I'm going to read to us um, the passage from Revelation 2 which talks about the church in Smyrna. Okay? If you have your Bibles, I can I encourage you to turn to Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. I'll flash the verses on the screen, but I think it's a good practice for us to look at our Bibles as well. Okay? Okay, verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. It's like, wow, thank you, Jesus. You know, it's like, <laughs> what a letter, right? That you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has the ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. It says in verse 10, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. This is not a popular thing to say today. They're going to go through a tough time, right? I mean, the version of Christianity we have nowadays is like God is love. You know, God loves you. He's a wonderful father and all that. So imagine receiving a prophetic word like that, that you are going to prison. You are going to be persecuted. I wondered how the believers in Smyrna took it. It must be very tough for them. Not only were they persecuted by society, but now Jesus is saying, wow, another persecution, a tough one is going to come upon you. Be faithful unto death. Okay? And it is scary for if you live in the early church, okay, as the people in Smyrna during that time. You know, and something very scary for me as I read this, this passage is this. You know, like in the midst of all this persecution that's happening to, to them, the people in Smyrna, right? Jesus says this, you know, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto death. In the midst of the persecution, being ostracized by society, all the beatings, all the throwing in jail, even in your martyrdom, in the midst of all these things, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. It scares me now when I read something like this, because Jesus is calling this church and saying that if you want the crown of life, even in the midst of persecution, you'll be faithful. You be faithful. And it shows us how high God's standard is for those who say are his disciples. That you have to be faithful, even if it means death. Even if it means death. 
And the persecution of the Jews during those times in Smyrna was very, very intense. Just to give you an idea, you know, they were thrown out of the synagogues. Imagine the people they gather with, with in, with out, they throw you out because you have a different belief. They got beaten by the religious leaders, flogging, imprisonment. They were cast out of their family gatherings, their, their house. Uh, their friends want nothing to do with them. They have no opportunity to do trade with their associates. And some of them face martyrdom through, the stone, through stoning or through the burning by the stake. This was what the church went through. And yet Jesus said, be faithful so that you have the crown of life at the end of the race. It's very, very scary. And it causes us to actually think, how are we doing our Christian life today? God's standard is so much higher. So if you think that Christianity, I can live a lukewarm life, I can live a life that's compromising, brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you today that God's standard is really very high. Don't take God for granted in your life. Don't take your faith for granted in your life. Because God is so much holier than you can ever imagine. And He demands obedience in so much greater level than what we are capable of right now. Something interesting to note is this. The, the word smyrna actually comes from the Greek word for myrrh. Okay, you all know what's myrrh, right? It was present during the birth of Christ when the... I can't remember, there's a three wise men, the three kings, they came, they brought gifts, and one of the gifts was myrrh, Right? And it's a very expensive thing. I also don't know why it's so expensive. Okay? Maybe it's the whole process. But something interesting about myrrh is this. When you crush myrrh, it produces a very beautiful fragrance. Okay? And some, some people say that the Christians in Smyrna, what actually happened to them was this. When they faced all the martyrdoms, when they were being persecuted, it came because they were faithful. It was a sweet-smelling aroma in the presence of God. That God was pleased with the church. God was pleased with the church. I want to share with you um, about this person called Polycarp. Those of you who ever read church history, you'll be very familiar with this individual. Polycarp. Initially, I was thinking, like, what kind of fish is this? Carp fish, uh? Okay, Polycarp. Okay. He was actually the Bishop of Smyrna. Okay? The Bishop of Smyrna means he was one of the first pastors of the church in Smyrna. Okay? He was a key pastor, key leader. And um, if you read the book of Revelations, like in the letters right at the start, it puts to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Right? A lot of times, um, scholars believe that the angel means the pastor in charge because you're responsible for your flock. Okay, you better do these things. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand. I will come and remove your influence upon your congregation. Okay, so to the bishop in Smyrna, his name was Polycarp. Okay, Polycarp is very interesting because he was actually a disciple of John, John the Beloved, the one that leaned on Jesus' breast. Okay, and you know, during the time that where there was persecution, right, Polycarp was about 86 years old. He was 86 years old. And all his disciples, you know, they asked him to flee the city. And especially when they heard that the, the Romans were going to come, the leaders were going to come, of the city were going to come and take him away to, cruise, uh, to, to, uh, to martyr him or to kill him, he said, you know what, it is okay. May God's will be done. And he stayed at home. He wasn't afraid. 86 years old man. And when the, the people came, the authorities all came to this house, 
this guy is so radical. What he did was this. He asked them to take a seat and he prepared a light refreshment for them. 86 years old. Okay? Then after they ate and all that, they still pleaded with him. Like, no, the, because now you eat already, right? So you, you pise a bit. So you tell, he told them, told come. he's like, hey, you know what? Why don't you just you know, deny Christ? You know, why don't you just um, confess that Caesar is Lord? And then all this will be over. All this will be over. You can go on living your life. You can still pastor your church. But he refused. He stood very firm. So they brought him before the authorities. And then uh, during one of the trials, which is one of the final trials that he faced, they brought him to the Colosseum in the middle of the whole town. And there's a lot of people there. And they keep threatening him, giving him chance after chance to deny his faith. But he stood very, very firm. Okay? And I want to read to you one of the last things he said. Okay, when the, 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 the leader or the proconsul that was in charge, the Roman proconsul that was in charge of the city actually threatened him, said, if you, don't do, if you don't deny Christ and say Caesar is Lord, you know what? I'm going to burn you. I'm going to burn you at the stake. Okay, and this is his very words. If you vainly suppose that I will swear by the divine power of Caesar, as you say, and if you pretend that you do not know who I am, listen plainly, I am a Christian. And if you wish to learn the Christian message, you can arrange a meeting and give me a hearing. Okay? And this beautiful words, 86 years have I served him and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? 86 years old all the way, faithful all the way to death. And he was burned in a stake. And um, legend has it that when he was burned, his disciples reported that as he was being burned up in the fire, um, what happened was that normally if meat, right, because we're all meat, right, you get burned up, right, you will smell a bit like tassel or, you know, all this... KFC, you smell something like that, right? I mean, I don't know, I've never smelled a burning human before, right? But that's my imagination. But what they smelled was that they, they had a smell of myrrh or a, a, some, some sort of incense that was coming up. And they said because he was so faithful, it became a sweet-smelling aroma in the presence of God. Right, we just sang the song, day and night, night, and they let incense arise. His whole life was the incense that God loved to smell. It's like, what an amazing story of Polycarp. And after, shortly after his death, another 2,300 Christians were martyred because they refused to acknowledge Caesar as Lord and they refused to denounce Christ as God. Polycarp was faithful in his race all the way to the end. And because of that, he inspired a whole generation of people who were willing to lay down their lives for the sake of Christ. You know, church, Polycarp is not alone in history. In the world today, there are so many Christians out there living in persecuted situations. Okay? And the topic of persecution seems very far-fetched for a lot of us because we live in Singapore. I mean, it's very safe. We have religious freedom. You can go and do uh, whatever religion you want. You know, nobody really um, is affected by it. You know? But while we sit in our air-conditioned auditorium, you know, with, with so nice, you've got ushers to usher you to your seat some more, car park marshals to guide you to your, to your designated car park lot, you know, then got people serve you coffee in the atrium and all that. There are brothers and sisters out there in the world today that don't have this luxury and are in persecution. 
In fact, a lot of them are. We are one of the few countries that are not in persecution. Okay, just want to share you a little bit of statistics from Open Doors Ministry. And it says this, that every day, 13 Christians worldwide are killed because of their faith. Every day, 12 churches or Christian buildings are attacked. And every day, 12 Christians are unjustly arrested or imprisoned, and another five are adopted. 360 million Christians in 76 countries suffer high levels of persecution. This was just released last year, 2022. Okay? And according to Forbes magazine, the type of persecution they receive is either by death, um, honor killing, rape, kidnapping, slavery, abduction, imprisonment, refusal of AIDS. This is according to Forbes magazine, a secular magazine. And if you think that today, because we are more educated, society is more progressive, that persecution should be less, people more open-minded, can I remind you uh, that today, persecution is more intense than it was in the last couple of years. Okay, Something... Um, this guy from Gordon Conwell Seminary actually says this, that more than 70 million Christians have been martyred throughout history and more than half of those deaths occurred in the 20th century. About 1 million Christians were killed between 2001 and 2010 and another 900,000 between 2011 and 2020. We are not progressing. Christianity is being attacked more and more each day. There are many brothers and sisters out there that are being attacked more and more each day. So when you sit here every Sunday in the freedom of this beautiful auditorium, remember your brothers and sisters out there in the world that do not have the opportunity to ever sit in a seat as comfortable as this for a Sunday service. One of the most precious books that I have in my book collection at home is this um, very cheap uh, book that I bought from OMF many years ago. Uh, it's called In Remembrance of Martyrs of a Century Ago, and it talks about the final words of Christian missionaries who were in China, okay, and how they were actually martyred because of the Boxing Rebellion. Okay, I don't know whether you know the history of the Boxing Rebellion, but basically it was a movement in China that they wanted to drive out all the foreigners because the foreigners, rightly so, a lot of, some of them are missionaries. They actually uh, ill-treated the Chinese people. Uh, they were actually dealing with opium and all those things. And they just corrupted the whole society. And the Chinese were actually very upset. And they wanted to drive out all of the foreigners out of the land. It was a cleansing. And some of these people that they actually drove out or martyred were actually missionaries who were innocent. Okay? And... Many missionaries lost their lives on that very period. And I want to read to you some of the final words some of these people actually wrote or said before they actually were martyred. Okay? And I pray that you will actually be inspired by their example. Okay? Number one is Mr. Alfred Woodruff. And I was just thinking, it's like, who is this guy? I don't even know, never read, got no book about him, you know, nothing on Wikipedia says about this guy, you know. The only place that catches this is in a small booklet from OMF. And these are the people that you meet in heaven one day. You don't even know their name, don't even know their face. But these were the ones that planted the church in China, that saved some of our grandparents. And to, because of that, today we are safe as well. He says this, you know, 
Are we called to suffer? Are we called to die? The poor, the feeble heart says, Oh no, never. But to bring blessing to the world, what has it always meant? What to the Saviour? What to the apostles? This is the way the Master went. Should not the servant tread it still? Wow, it's amazing. Another guy, Mr. David Bart Thompson. Now I will close and God our Father take care of us or take us. His will be done. He wrote this one day before he was martyred in China. Miss Edith E. Cyril. Well, there is nothing I would count a greater honour than to wear the martyr's crown. She too was martyred along with Miss Bessie Campbell Renaud. We do not know today whether we, will, we shall soon be in glory. If we are, we are ready. Another individual, Reverend Williams Adam McCorrack. This is a sad time for China. If all the missionaries are murdered, it will move the church in a remarkable way. If it is God's way of evangelizing China, then surely we ought to be ready to die for the gospel's sake. None of us want to die, but we all want to say, Thy will be done. And he was right. Because so many missionaries died as a result of this uprising, the church in China began to just sprout all over the land. And today is probably one of the fastest nations where Christianity is growing. Reverend Herbert Dixon, okay, just two more. This is perhaps one chance in a hundred that we may escape, but if we must die, we are not afraid. If the Lord bids us, we will cheerfully lay down our lives for his sake. All the missionaries are in danger, but if we are all killed and not one escape, there are many more who will be certain to take our place. And last but not least, this is one of my favorite quotes in this book. Reverend Sidney W. Annals, I don't know who is this guy, but he wrote this. I do not regret coming to China, even in the midst of death. I do not regret. And although my life will have been short, it will in some ways have fulfilled the Master's will. May the Lord's will be done. And this small booklet, maybe about 40 pages only, Paragraphs after paragraphs of all the martyrs who died during the Boxing Rebellion. And every time I take out this book to read, you know, I, I can't help but cry. It's like, wow, these guys really paved the way. They were faithful even to death. And no doubt today, they're in heaven with the crown of life on their head. You know, so many of these martyrs. And I want to share you a, a, a more modern story. Okay? Some of you may have heard of the story of Andrew Brunson. He's an American who, who was a missionary to Turkey for 25 years. Okay? And in year 23, he was suddenly arrested by the Turkish government okay, for no reason. They didn't give an official reason why he was arrested. And he was placed in jail. He thought it's going to be a week long, they're going to deport him. But that one, one day turned into a two-year ordeal. He was placed in a jail cell for two years. And then they finally charged him for terrorism. Okay, don't know how that links. Okay? And he was placed in a cell that was for eight people. But they squeezed 20 people into the cell. Day and night, night and day, this was the place where he encountered God, where he, where he dialogued with God because the only thing he had to dialogue with was God, no one else. And the people within his cell were all religious fanatics. I mean, these were radicals, you know, of a different religion. And the loyal, lo uh, local lawyers that rep represented him, you know, they keep changing because they're pr pressured by the society, you know, not to represent him. And because of that, he did not have a good representation in the court. 
So there was so much uncertainty for him. You know, am I going to be like that in this prison for the rest of my life? On the final day of his trial, the judge, after hearing all of the evidence against him and the case of the defense, you know, asked him if you have any words before the verdict. And I want to read to you what he actually said at the end of his trial as he stood before the judge of a different religion and uttered these words. He says this, Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's why I came to Turkey, to proclaim this. There's only one way to God, and that's Jesus. There's only one way to have our sins forgiven, and that's Jesus. There's only one way to gain eternal life, that's Jesus. There's only one Savior, and that's Jesus. For the last 25 years, I've declared Jesus as Savior. For 23 years, I did it by choice. And the last two years, I've been forced to do it in from prison. But my message is always the same. It's Jesus. In front of a different religion in a court, this was his defense. And you know what? We need more Andrew Brunsons in the world today. They're not afraid to stand up for their faith. Cut the long story short, because of the intervention of the American government, he was later released, you know, and he actually wrote a book. Uh, I cannot remember the title, something about hostage one, okay? Uh, you, you can encourage you to get the book. It is amazing, you know, he just detailed his whole story, okay? But one the sh- why the reason why I want to share with you all these stories is to show you, you know, that all over the world, Christians are being persecuted simply because they are Christians. They've done nothing to offend people, They've done nothing uh, to persecute people of other religions. They are persecuted simply because they believe that Jesus is the Lord and they choose to abstain from a lot of things which they consider unchristian. And that's why they are persecuted. Okay, if you look at the next slide, you will see some of these articles that I picked up. Okay, and this is just one week worth of news. In one week, these are some of the news about persecution that I managed to take up. Just one week. Imagine going through the whole year, how much of these articles you will be able to see. Alright? So I want to challenge us this day. You know what? Let's take our faith seriously. Because some, there are people out there that really believe that this is true. There are people out there that really live out what it says in Acts, what it says in the words of Christ. They really live it out. And I pray today more than anything else that we as a church, we will choose not to be lukewarm anymore. We will choose not to compromise on our faith in society when we're out there, in our work, in our relationships. But we will choose to stand on God's word and say that our message in our life is Jesus. It's always been Jesus and it will always be Jesus. The reason why I shared with you all these stories is to, I want to encourage all of us here today, you know, wherever you are in your faith, to come up higher, to know that there are brothers and sisters out there in the world. If you stand beside them, you know what? They will probably say to you, hey, you know what? We are living our lives the best that we can. Come alongside in this race. Run together with us. We are doing our best. We should do your best in your faith as well. Our 
uh, last year we had Francis, was it last year? I can't remember. Maybe two years ago, we had uh, a speaker, Francis Chan, that actually came to speak uh, through video, of course. And in one of his messages, he actually shared about one of the times that he actually went to an underground church in another country, all right? And during the break, he was there for some pastor's training and all that. And during the break, um, they wanted to know what it's like to live as a persecuted Christian in, the, in, in that particular country. Okay? So he began to ask them, he and his daughter was there, began to ask them, the, the people there, to share about your persecution, you know, share. And as they share, the more their eyes lit up, you know, it's like, wow, it's like I never heard this kind of story, never had this kind of experience before. And then the people of the land be, began to be very intrigued. It's like, why are you asking us all these things? Don't you guys go through the same thing? You see, the people of the land think that the moment you're Christian, you will be persecuted because that's how they were brought up. And Francis Chan said, no, this is, it doesn't happen everywhere, especially in our country, in America, where it comes from. And then they said, you know, share with us you know, what Christianity is like in, in America. It's like, Francis Chan is like, well, in America, you know, we have this thing called buildings where Christians go to for about one and a half hours to two hours every, every week. If they don't like the, the pastor there, they will switch churches. You know, they don't like the music, they will switch churches. If they find that the church is a bit too far, they will switch churches. If they don't like the, the, the music is too loud, the pastor speak too long, no jokes, you know, and all that. The childcare is better in other churches, they switch churches. And the, the people of the land, they started laughing very, very hysterically. It's like they thought he was actually joking. And then after a while, there was suddenly a silence and they realized he was not joking. That that was the state of Christianity in the US. And Francis Chan, in his reflection, he asked that when he looked into the eyes of the people of the land, he could hear them saying this, how did you guys get Christianity like that from this? When did Christianity become about childcare? When did the Bible talk about comfort in your seats, about the music, about the parking lots, about whether you like the pastor or not? Where do you find that in this? Where about Christianity? What kind of version of Bible are you reading? And I think when I heard these words from Francis Chan's, you know what? On, it causes me to, to think a lot, to reflect a lot. Like, what am I doing as a Christian? What version of Christianity am I living in the world today? Is it this version or is it my own version? In your workplace today, what kind of Christianity are you living? Is it one that is according to this or is it one that you have made in your own image that suits your beliefs, that suits your comfort, that suits your promotion that you're aiming for, that suits the type of friends that you can associate with? What kind of Christianity are you living? You know, the last thing I want is for this to be a guilt trip, for you to feel guilty. But I want you to catch the heart of God here today that our brothers and sisters in other worlds other, other nations, you know, when they are being persecuted, they are calling out to us, say, hey, run your race. 
Run your race in your workplaces, even if it means it costs you your job, even if it means you don't get to hang out with that elite group of friends, even if it means you know, it's going to cost you everything. Run your race, be faithful to the end. Because that was the master's way. And that encourages us as a church today, do not be afraid to give up all for the sake of Christ. And that's what the church in Smyrna did. And I pray today, more than anything else, that we will be a church that will not be lukewarm, that will not be compromising in the world. So that's the church of Smyrna. I'm going to go very quickly into the church of Philadelphia, and then I'm just going to close the whole sermon. Um, the church of Philadelphia is a bit different. and just going to read to you verse 8. Okay, verse 8 to verse... Uh, okay, I'll read to you the whole thing. Okay. Okay, um, the church in Philadelphia, Revelation 3, verse 7 to 13. It says this, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but limit, little power and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast. So that no one, do what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, the church of Philadelphia is a bit different from Smyrna. Okay? As I mentioned before, all the churches probably were going through some form of persecution, but probably the most jalat one is Smyrna. Okay? They are the most jalat jalat. Okay? Philadelphia is probably going through some form of persecution as well. As you read this letter, you will see hints of the persecution that they were going through. And I want you to note this, that the suffering that they were going through is different from the suffering in Smyrna. In Smyrna, God says, even if you face death, be faithful. But in Philadelphia, God says, be faithful. Because you are faithful, I will keep you from the coming trial. Two different churches, two different type of situations. So some of you, us may say that, hey, you know, not fair, leh. How come we so chalat, Smyrna so chalat, we still have to go through this, you know, but Philadelphia, you know, life is a bit easier, you know, and we are kept from the trial. Why is it like that? You see, the point is not about equality. The point is not about fairness. The point is about faithfulness. How faithful you are in your trial, how faithful you are on the road that you have to walk. Okay? So, don't envy people who have different type of struggles from you, okay? Because all of us, we have our own cross to bear. Let's never compare the roads that we have to walk. All this belong to the Lord. <clears throat> okay, Philadelphia is a very, um, 
uh, well-to-do city is often known as the Little Athens because there's abundance of commerce and a lot of buildings that were built there shows their wealth. And the city was like a gateway into the other cities. Okay, it's like the key. That's why you have the, the thing about the door that can open and no one can shut. All right? It actually controls the trade routes to all the other cities. Okay? So if you can get past Philadelphia okay, and they welcome you to go through their city, you can go to the other cities to trade. Okay? So this city was actually <clears throat> very, very rich okay? and very, very well-to-do. And the type of persecution that they were going through wasn't so much physical. It was more on a cultural level. Okay? The purpose of cultural persecution, once again, is to pressure you to conform to what is normal in society. You need to compromise so that you fit into society. Okay? And the uh, revelation uses this phrase. It says here, the synagogue of Satan. What is the synagogue of Satan? And I believe that this is in reference to the people who call themselves Christians, but they weren't really Christians. Okay, they were compromising ones. They were the ones that compromised their faith and choose to live both worshipping Christ as well as worshipping other gods, participating in other religious rituals. They blended worldly practices with Christian beliefs. And they were the ones that were pressurizing the Christians to conform. Okay? Just compromise a bit lah. It's okay one. Right? Sounds familiar? Okay? So, why is that so? Okay? Why is that so? <clears throat> you see, for us as believers, right, one of the things that we must remember, and Jesus says this in his words, okay, that everything that Christ stands for, every word he says, every, of his, every one of his ways will be contrary to the world. Because the world is governed not by Christ and the world is governed by the evil one. That's why Jesus has to return. And that's why the world is in a mess, right? So, because of that, if we choose to follow God's ways, if we choose to live a godly life, we will be persecuted because our value system and our way of living will clash with, God's, with the world's ways. Okay? That's why uh, Paul says to Timothy, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Because there's going to be a clash. There's going to be a clash. And one of, my, one of the big worries for me is this, that today in Singapore, for a lot of Christians, there is no clash with the world. There is no difference between us and the world. We are not persecuted. There's no difference in our way. We can't tell a Christian from a non-Christian. We can't tell that. And this is one of the things which worry me a lot, that the church is becoming more and more like the world, rather than the world becoming more and more like the church. And that worries me a lot. And that is one of the signs of the last days, that people will be lovers of themselves, including the church as well. So I want, to, I want to challenge us this day. You know, we need to come out and be separate from the world's values, from the world's way of doing things. Don't allow culture to impose its values on us. Don't allow your work environment to impose its values on you. Don't allow what society says to impose how you raise your children. 
Okay, okay, a little bit more about that in a while. But when we talk about cultural persecution, there are two verses which I want us to consider. Firstly, is this. Okay, firstly, is this in Second Corinthians eleven verse fourteen. Scripture tells us that the devil masquerades himself as an angel of light. It means that Satan's primary weapon against the church is deception. Is deception. Okay? Cultural persecution always takes in disguise the form that you, when you participate in something, you are actually freeing yourself. You will be free. You are in control of your life. Okay? You free yourself in terms of your sexuality, your gender, your family, your speech. I do whatever I want to do. That is freedom. Okay? And the great push is really this. I am free to be whoever I want to be. That is what the world is promoting today. Okay? But on a spiritual level, what persecution, cultural persecution does is this. It's forcing you to listen to the voice of your flesh. Let me give you an example. Okay? Give, listen to the voice of your flesh. Things like premarital sex. Everyone's doing it right. It's okay, right? I mean, it's a norm today. Okay? I remember many years ago when I was working and I was attached and my colleague asked me, are, are, are you guys living together? I said, no. Yeah, because I don't believe that. I don't believe it's good. And then he challenged me and he said that, why not? I mean, everyone today is doing it, right? So here's a question for... For, for you today, you know, there are actually only, if you think of it logically, right, there's only two choices you have in life, you know, of what guides your truth. Number one is this, it's the law of the land. I don't do this because it's illegal. The law of the land bans it. The only other possible way for you to know what is right and wrong is actually because my mother says so. Okay? There's no other way. But for Christians we have something else and it's this. And that's why we always come back to this. You need a compass, you need a ruler, you need a measurement of what is right and what is wrong. And the reason why we don't subscribe to premarital sex is simply because the Bible says so. This is our measuring tape. And society is going to come and say that, wow, this guy, holy moly, and you know, like, what's this? Living in the 1800s, ah. Uh, you know, and then they, they separate you, they do things, and then you find that you can't participate and you'll be ostracized on your friends. And that's cultural persecution. Okay, you feel left out. Right? And the sad thing is this about cultural persecution is that it is coming into the church. It is coming into the church. The church is compromising more and more today because the pressure from society is increasing more and more. just want to show you a slide on some of the articles I picked up that happened this week. Okay. And you will see in some countries, some are from Singapore as well, and you will see that actually, wow, it's here and it's really coming. That we are being pushed to a corner to say compromise. Compromise. Because this is what is society's norm. Compromise. One of my friends in Malaysia, I think recently some of you may be aware, there was a very big hoo-ha in Malaysia, not because of the elections, but there's a very, very big hoo-ha because uh, of this band called 1975. Did anyone hear about the news? 
or you don't care about Malaysia. Okay, never mind. Let me share with you about Malaysia. Okay, yeah. So there was this band that was later to play. Okay, and they are very um, outspoken in terms of their views in life. Okay, and you know you go to a country like Malaysia, who's a very traditional in terms of their their the way they view life, the way they view marriage, and the way they view family. Right, and in their contracts, they were actually. Uh, being told that you cannot say anything about homosexuality, you cannot talk about gay marriage and all those things. Okay, these things are banned in the nation. All right, and some of you who read the news, you know this guy. He was don't know what he was doing on stage. All right, but halfway during, he was just starting to talk about the Malaysian government not happy, say we're all bounded, all the Malaysians are bounded and all that. And then after that, he pulled aside his basis and he kissed his basis on stage in Malaysia. Okay? And then after, after that, after the whole concert, they went back to the hotel room and said, oh no, I better siam. Okay? And literally, they just, they left the country immediately because they may be prosecuted in that country. But what happened after that was this, the, the, the government found out what happened and then the government shut down the whole festival. Okay? It shut down the whole festival. Now, the whole festival is not just about that ban there were a lot of bands that were scheduled to come, local singers that were supposed to showcase their talents, people selling food that were supposed to, to, um, to, to earn some money, and they, they bought all their supplies. In fact, one burger shop spent about $20,000 okay, to bring in all the supplies to cater for the people that were supposed to come. So, of course, Malaysians were enraged. I mean, you do this kind of thing in Malaysia, what do you expect, right? So, a lot of people lost a lot of money that day. And, one, and my friend in Malaysia, he actually expressed his disappointment online. He said, how come this band are so irresponsible? I mean, you come to the land, you respect the law of the lands, okay? And a lot of people lost their livelihoods because of what you did. And I want to show you the response he got on his Facebook page because of what, of what he wrote, okay? Can you just flash the next slide? These were some of the things that were written to him in Malaysia because he was just talking about this band and how irresponsible they are. But you see, culture is telling you, if you are not for us, you are against us and we will attack you. That's what's happening in Malaysia. In Malaysia. And let me tell you, it's scary. Personally, for me, I've encountered this a bit as well. Sometimes in my messages, you know, I will share about different things about um, I think previously it's about our belief how marriage is supposed to be between a man and a woman. Okay? And I share some of these views online as well. You know, I think you guys do not know this, but pastors, we get a lot of hate mail. Okay, right? Pastor Ben, get a lot of hate mail, right? No. Uh, maybe just me, okay? Just me. Because a lot of people don't like my sermons. Okay? <laughs> yeah. And I remember one time just sharing about how I believe. At the time, we were we were very against the abolishment of 3,000A and I shared why I do not agree to it and why I believe family should still be, t- uh, be between, uh, sorry, marriage should still be between a man and a woman. I received a number of letters from people to say, how backdated are you? What kind of person are you? You're a bigot. And you know what scares me the most? What scares me the most is that some of these are former youth. It means I didn't do my job well when I was the youth pastor. And it scares me. Cultural persecution is here in Singapore already. And if you don't know it, if you're not careful, 
you have already compromised in your faith. And there's a great deception. And the church as well. And it's not just in terms of LGBT issues, you know. There's a lot of things that the church has compromised as well. Okay, let me just share you a number of things. And this is the part where I want to say I may offend you in some of these things, but I want to challenge you to take this with an open heart and to encourage you to come up higher in your faith. Okay, let's talk about children's education, right? Everybody's favorite topic. Okay, right? The world is telling you this. You, de- you determine your child's success. You determine your child's success. means everything that your child's going to become, it depends on you. You pave the way for him. Right? So that's why we, we palm our kids, you know, with tuition after tuition. Now go to CCAs. And my goodness, no, they have this tuition now uh, to help you to score well for the gifted test. I mean, I'm like, you're either gifted or you're not. Lah. Why need to go for tuition for that, right? It's just a test, right? I still remember my son came home one, when, after he took the gifted test and said, wow, the test is very easy. And immediately I knew, not gifted. <laughs> My kid's true enough, yeah, he wasn't gifted. Yeah. But you see, deep down, uh, deep down is actually what we are really believing is this, that I do not trust God's direction for my child. If we really believe in God, we really say that God is the creator of all things, he has a special design for every single human being, the first thing we do is not to see what society is doing, but the first thing we do is go to God and say, God, how did you create my child and how can I steward my child in the right way? And I'm very sad sometimes when I see some families, they, they push their kids so much in tuition, hoping that they get into an elite school when the child is actually creative by nature. The child struggles, can't study, but you give the child guitar, he flourishes. But as parents, sometimes we are so into the culture that says the only form of success is he enters into an elite school. Success is not playing the guitar for the rest of your life. But what has God called the child to be? And we're not willing to give that up. You see, church, if you want to walk in the ways of God, it's either all in or you're not in at all. So on the challenges of you are parents, ask the Lord, how can I steward my child? By the way, you know your child doesn't belong to you, right? You're just a steward. God is the owner. So ask the owner what he wants to do with your child. Okay, don't see what society is doing, all right? By the way, I'm not against tuition, okay? Personally, I send my kids for tuition, especially Chinese, because my Chinese is chuaji all the way, you know? Like, cannot one. Yeah, okay? But it's really this. How has God created your child and what is God's call on your child's life? Find that out and pave the way for your child. Number two, the Lord's day. This one will affect a lot of us, right? Society is telling you, hey, you know, your finances, your career, your entertainment, your comfort are more important you know, Saturday night, you know, Blackpink is in town, you know, tomorrow church service, 9 a.m. Uh, it's okay, la, you miss one service, God understand, right? I mean, God also loves Blackpink, right? Yeah, right? Uh, or, 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 you know, we have, our friends are going out for mahjong at night, or we're having uh, some gathering, you know, that will be late for service, or, or can't come at all. It's okay, right? What you're really saying is this, that I am more important than God. When I choose to sacrifice the Lord stay for my own benefit. I'm putting myself above God. Okay. 
Number three, expenditure. I go a bit faster, okay? Society is telling you this, you know, you only live once, okay? You only live once, you know, so spend the money however you want, right? Go for as many holidays as you want. For, but for us as Christians, we have a call to steward the resources that we have. And you need to ask the Lord, God, how do you want to, me to use the blessings I have in my hand? And a lot of us, if we examine the way we spend our money, a lot of it will really say that God's mission for my life is not that important. Next one, our favorite topic, sex. Those of you who are mar- marriage retreat, you know that this is called session number four. Okay. <laughs> yeah, society is telling you this. If it feels good, just do it. Everyone is doing it right. Everyone's watching porn. Everyone's sleeping with their girlfriends, their boyfriends, you know, and then if you don't like them, you ditch them and then you go for the next person. I mean, it's, it's fair, but no one gets hurt, right? But what, if you do that, what you're really saying is this, God's ways are optional. God's ways are optional. It all depends on my feelings, how much I'm getting, how good I feel. Discipleship, Okay? Like a lot of people do not want to be discipled. They don't like the culture is this. I only answer to myself. You don't have any right to speak into my life. I examine my own self. I determine my own ways. This is who I am. Accept me. Right? But the body of Christ is there so that we can sharpen one another. So even though culture say, culture actually pushes for individualism, God's ways is that we need to sharpen one another. Okay? And Really, what you're releasing, if you don't believe in that, is that I do not believe in the body of Christ. And last but not least is integrity. Society says, especially on social media, show other people, you know, what you want them to see only. Okay? So your life and what you put on social media is very different and it's okay. But you know what? God sees it all. God sees it all. And God will know whether your life and your social media posts is the same. Okay. So what you're really saying is that God is not judged. Okay. My eldest son sent me a quote a couple of days ago. He said, Papa, you can use this quote for your sermon. And I read it. <clears throat> I read it and I said, wow, okay, maybe you're gifted after all. Okay. <laughs> so let me read it to you. Okay. It's a quote from Billy Graham. Those outside the church expect followers of Christ to live differently. Yet today, many in the church are chasing after the world. Not to win the world, but to be like them. Wow. But to be like them. And today, if we are honest with ourselves, a lot of us, we are chasing after the world. We have already compromised. We have already given in to the cultural persecution that's come upon our lives. Okay? You know, in the early church, their standard was so high that if your life and what you believe is different they do not even baptize you. They don't allow you to take communion. You look at the words of Justin Martyr, okay? uh, one of the first martyrs in the church, okay? and he wrote this apology to the Roman uh, Empire about Christianity. And he says this, you know, that only those whose lives match what they believe and how they live their life, then only we allow them to be baptized. Then only we allow them to take communion you see how high their standard was? Okay? And I just want to quote one last one here. 
Francis Chan, okay, last year when he was talking to us, he made this statement which stayed with a lot of us. He says that if you live among lukewarm people, you will not know that you are lukewarm. You will think that lukewarmness is normal. And my fear is this, that if we think lukewarmness is normal, our kids will also think this is how church is supposed to look like. This is how a Christian is supposed to live. Church is optional. Sundays are optional. This is how I'm supposed to go for sale. Sometimes I don't feel like going in. No one, no one wants to fetch me. Okay, don't go. Okay, it's fine, you know. And we create a lukewarm church. So today, I want to say this in love. That if the way we do our lives, the way we live out our beliefs does not does not in a sense like contradict how the world lives, then something is wrong with us. We have really succumbed to lukewarmness, to compromising life. So if anything today, the key message for us is this, we need to come out from the world and be separate. We need to cleanse ourselves from those things that have polluted our way of living so that we can really be true to what the Word of God says. Two verses and then I'll end. James 4.4, 4, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And 2 Corinthians 6 verse 17, therefore come out from them, from the world, and be separate, says the Lord. Touch nothing unclean, and I will receive you. So if there's one thing that we can learn about the persecuted church is this. Number one is this, that there are people out there in the world that really believe this and they're living their whole lives for this. How about us today in a westernized type of world? And number two is this, cultural persecution is already here in Singapore. And if we truly live according to this, it will offend people. It will offend your colleagues it will offend your family members. And the problem is this. The world accepts us. It shows that there's no difference between us and the world. So as we enter into a season that's past 21 days, God is calling for us as a church to come up higher, to understand that we are in the middle of a spiritual war for our very souls. And if we are not intentional to live according to his word, to being ready to forsake our jobs, being ready to forsake the elite groups of people that you hang out with, your friends, even your family. You know what Jesus said? You are not worthy of me. So my encouragement to us today, as we start a new season for our church, let us examine our ways so that as we stand beside our fellow brothers and sisters who give their lives, who every single day face persecution, face rape, face torture, face being blasphemed every single day. As we stand beside them, we don't feel like, you know, I'm so different from you. But we, in our own way, we are running our race as well. And both of us, different situations, we run our races well for the glory of God. I pray that River Life will be a church that will not be afraid to be persecuted culturally. We will not be afraid to give in to the pressures of society. We will not be afraid to stand up for what we believe in because the day and the hour is here where we have to stand up for our faith 
and not compromise anymore. Can I invite us to stand to our feet? Assemble leaders in this song. Refine me. Refine me and make me holy. Purify me with the fire in your eyes. Refine me. to just close our eyes right now you know I just want you to just begin to search your hearts right now before the Lord where do you stand in your faith if I were to put your life side by side with a brother and sister from a persecuted nation how would your life match up someone once said this you know if today they were to persecute you they were to charge you for being a Christian the question is this will they be able to find enough evidence to prosecute you so I want us to right now search our hearts are there places in our lives that we have compromised so much that there's no difference between us and the world God is calling us back today say that I want you to come back to my ways come back to live for my glory So there's you today, you need to rededicate your life to be a disciple of Christ because you'll find you, you honestly feel that you're so far off. I just want to just stretch your hands before the Lord as we sing the chorus one more time to ask the Lord to refine our hearts. You know, I know I need to do this as well. And ask the Lord to refine our hearts and say, God, bring me back to your ways. Help me not to be afraid of the persecution that's here in, on this nation, O oh Lord that 
I may lose my job, I may lose my friends, my families, but God is okay. I cannot lose you in my life. So ask the Lord to purify your life, purify your hearts one more time as you sing the chorus. Thank you, Lord. Purify me. Purify me. of love purify my heart on the altar I'll bring my life a sacrifice only for you God I surrender the fire of God Flame of love, purify my heart on the altar. I'll bring my life a sacrifice only for you, God. I surrender. Thank you, Lord. So Father, we just want to commit ourselves to you this day. Father, I pray for River Life Church that we will not be a church that's lukewarm, Lord. Father, we pray, oh Father, that even in the midst of the persecution here that's society is telling us to compromise you know to do what it takes so that we can rise up in our promotions to do what it takes so that we can be in the in our group of friends lord for this uh, uh compromising our faith father we pray this day that we will be a church that will be faithful to the end lord that we will not be afraid a lot to lose our jobs we will not be afraid to lose our friends even our family members a lot for the sake lord of following you lord so god i pray this day would you awaken every heart oh father to know, Father, that in Christianity there is no middle ground, Lord. It's either we are fully in or we are not, Lord. And Father, I pray, oh Father, that this will mark us as a church, oh Lord. That we will be a church that will be faithful to the end, oh Lord. In every arena of our life, we will be faithful, oh Lord. So God, you see every hand that is lifted, oh Lord. And Father, I pray this day, oh Lord, that you will come and awaken those areas that are dead. Show us those areas that have been compromised a lot. And your, may your Holy Spirit challenge us a lot to come up higher, to learn to forsake the things of the world, these meaningless things a lot, for the sake of you, Lord. So Lord, we commit ourselves as a church to you this day, Lord. Once again, Lord, we thank you, Lord, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm really sorry I went over time, but I just want to say one last thing, okay? I hope you don't mind. One last thing before I end. Can I have the last slide of the, of the sermon deck? Uh? I want to show you a picture of some people who mean a lot to me in my life, okay? I have a group of friends that are very close to me, and they are invincible right now, okay? <laughs> and this is a group of pictures, okay? Uh, and two of them are working in church, you all know already. It's Jen Singh and, and, and um, not Sean, I'm not prophesying, uh, and, and Jonathan. Okay, of course, we are Sean that sometimes live on stage. And the group of us are good buddies, good friends. And we spend time with each other. And especially those of us who work in church, we talk a lot to each other, process things through and all that. And we share with each other our struggles. You know, one of the keys to living well, to be faithful to the end, 
in the end times when you face a lot of cultural persecution is your community, your spiritual community, who you live with. Uh, sorry, not who you live with, who you journey together with, who you do life together with. And these are the people who can either encourage you forward or they're going to pull you back in your walk with the Lord. So I challenge every one of you here, who are the people standing alongside you who's going to pick you up when you fall, who's going to pull you to the right path when you go wayward? Who are the ones? Because if you stand alone, you will fall. You need your brothers and sisters to stand alongside you. And it cannot be your wife. Because sometimes your wife hates you also. Then I'm just kidding. Okay? But you, you need people to stand alongside you so that you can journey together and you hold each other accountable. So I want to challenge every single one of you. Have a group of friends. Have a cell that challenges one another towards walking the right way in Christ. Okay, so that's my challenge to you as you go to yourself, alright? I'm sorry, I really, really went over time today, okay? So can I just invite you to raise your hands as I just pronounce the benediction. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of our Heavenly Father, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest and be with you until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in the blessings of the Lord. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.